You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Today's message is entitled, Keep Centered, Keep Centered. And this is number three in the right way to plant and grow a healthy church. It also, I, I, you know, I don't have room to put a huge title on. It could be the right way to uh, grow a healthy family. It could be the right way to grow a healthy ministry. And especially what's on my heart is for healthy churches and healthy uh, families and healthy ministries in, in the Lord. Thank you, Anna. Yeah, that, that would be wonderful. So keep centered. This is the third message here. Can you see it? And you're all okay and ready to go? Wonderful. This is the verse that's been on my heart lately, Galatians 6, 9, and this is what we're starting out with. This is our foundational verse for today. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Amen? Can I read that again? Can I hear an amen? amen. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Paul knows that in ministry, in life, in doing God's will, it is a temptation for us all to lose heart, to grow weary, and so to be exhausted, to be tired. Why are we doing this over and over? Why are we doing these things? Why don't we do something else. And so there's always a temptation, like I was talking about last week, to stray from the path, to stray from God's path. And the Lord wants us to stay on the way. Now, on the way, on God's way, is constant renewal. It's not boring. It's life-giving because God is ever new. His mercies are new every morning. But we can get into a mindset where we start to lose heart. Is anyone getting saved? Is, are we growing? Are we doing any good? What's the purpose? What's the meaning of it all? And so we, that type of thinking gets us to lose our strength and we start losing our heart. But here he encourages us and says, for in due time, in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So he's He's encouraging us to not lose heart in doing good, Galatians 6, 9. Now, let's move forward. We've been building this infographic together, and if you have any ideas or thoughts, feel free to let me know, and I'll try to add it in. And so it's the right way to plant and grow a healthy church. And the first point was put intimacy above ministry. 
The second, which we talked about last week, was stay on the way of worship, prayer, and the word. And the third thing, which is at the center of these five things, is keep centered on Jesus and his love. Keep centered on Jesus and his love. Now, I'm going to go back because there's a top there in the beginning. You see a spinning top? And that has meaning to us because when Allison was baptized, I think she was baptized around 10, she was 10 years old. Around 10 years old, she was baptized, and she had to give a testimony, and she was young, and the Lord gave her this illustration. Allison is our daughter, if you don't know. And the Lord gave us, uh, sorry, the Lord gave her, the Lord gave her this illustration and had to do with a spinning top, and she took the top in front of everybody. We were all gathered around uh, just before the baptism, and she spun the top on the table, and she said, look, it's, it spins and keeps on spinning. But if it gets off center, if there's some sin and we start to lose our love for God, it starts to wobble. And the Lord wants us to stay spinning and centered. So I don't know if she used this uh, word centered, but I'm using it now. But she, the whole illustration had to do with that spinning top. And the spinning top, stops. it starts wobbling when it gets its eyes off the Lord when it starts to sin. And so that is main illustration. One of the main illustrations I want to share today is about that spinning top. And when we start to get off-centered and we start to get off the center of Jesus and his love, and it's all about him, sometimes what happens, it easily becomes all about us, how I'm feeling, how I'm doing, uh, the weariness I'm feeling, and then, it, and then our top starts to wobble. It starts to spin out of control. Do you see that? So that's where this point comes from. I'll zoom in here. Keep centered on Jesus and his love. So when we become weary of doing good, let's remember it's all about Jesus and his love. Our purpose does not revolve around us, but around him. So in this doing the work of the Lord in church life, in being a witness and carrying out God's purposes on earth, we will get hurt. We will get weary. Some things are going to happen that really affect us, but then we remember this is not about us. It's not about my feelings. It's not about my emotions. It's about him. Of course, he loves me. He wants to heal my emotion, emotions. He wants to strengthen me. But it's this, this life that he has called us to, this way that he has called us to, what Jesus has called us to, does not revolve around me, my emotions, or my feelings. It revolves around him and his love. And so a church can be spinning well, but if it gets off-center, it starts to wobble. And so we have to watch out for that, always going back to Jesus, always going back to his glory and his love. And in that way, we'll be able to deal with offenses because we can put offenses behind us, realizing that the offenses are distractions, trying to get us off of Jesus and centered on Jesus, trying to get us our eyes off of Jesus and his love. 
So our purpose does not revolve around us, but around him. Let's move forward. At the heart of love is giving. Now, I said before, keep centered on Jesus and his love. And it's his love that needs to be our motivation and that we need to continually come back to. At the heart of love is giving. I just want that want you to think about that, reflect on that. At the heart of love is giving. Let me explain this some more. Love is giving good to others, even if they don't deserve it. Love is giving good to others, even if they don't deserve it. And we can remember John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And I want you to see the connection between love and giving. For God so loved the world, how did he love the world? He gave his one and only son. And here we see love is giving good to others even if they don't deserve it. While we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. So to keep centered, we need to keep our eyes on the cross and all that it means and what Jesus did and the love he displayed on the cross. And through all of the tribulation we go through, all of the pains, heartaches, we got to keep on going back to Jesus, his cross, who he is. And that love has to do with giving. It doesn't focus on getting. It focuses on giving. I'll explain that some more. So here's my translation of John 3.16. And I'm just going to read the John 3.16 part. I passed this out as a gift during Christmas time. God loves everyone and everything. Moved by love, he gave his one-of-a-kind son his very heart as a gift. Everyone who puts their trust in his son, will not be lost, but enjoy eternal life. One of the things that I put in the translation there to help bring out the sense of the meaning is that God gave his one-of-a-kind son. Of course, one-of-a-kind is very close to the Greek. But then that part in there that says his very heart, there is a wrong thinking in theology in that the father is like an abusive father and he sends out his son and his son suffers rather than him suffer. So the father is taking his son, he's sending him, and, oh, you go out there, you suffer, you die on the cross, and I'll stay back here in heaven. It's a wrong mindset. It's a, a mindset that comes out of maybe human relationships. That's not the idea of son in Scripture and not the idea of son in the New Testament or the Old Testament. The idea of the son is the father is giving himself. He's giving his heart. He's giving his very heart as a gift to us. So the father is giving himself, and he is suffering in the same way that the son is suffering as he gives himself, and he's suffering on the cross as well. So this is an important uh, mindset to not fall into the trap that, oh, the father is so difficult and hard, and, and then he sends his son to do the hard work. No, no, that's not what's happening. What's happening and what's being 
the picture being painted in John 3.16 is the Father is giving us his very heart when he gives us his son. He's giving us his all. He's giving us everything. Do you you see that? So I'll read that again. God loves everyone and everything. Moved by love, he gave his one-of-a-kind son, his very heart, as a gift. Everyone who puts their trust in his son will not be lost but enjoy eternal life. Now we'll move forward here. Here's the trap we can all fall into. We start thinking, I've given so much. What have I gotten out of it? We start focusing on getting rather than giving. Why aren't people showing me love? Why aren't they helping me? Why aren't they more quick at it? Who cares? And when you start to get into this mindset of who cares, why isn't people doing this and that for me, I've fallen into, how do I know this? I've fallen into this trap of quite a few times. <laughs> and the Lord has, in my times with him, he has snapped me out of it. But it's a trap where you get focused on yourself and yourself needs to go to the cross and die and be crucified. In order to love, the self has to be crucified. And of, of course, you participate in resurrection life. Are you with me? Are you hearing me? So this is a trap we can fall into. I've given so much. What have I gotten out of it? I was talking to a pastor recently this week, and it was like, I've been doing this for so long. Where are the people getting saved? Why aren't we growing? Different thoughts like that. All with, the, with growth, we have to trust God that it's going to happen in his way at his time. I'll, I'll talk more about that in the future. There's been missionaries who have worked their whole life and have only led one convert to the Lord. But you never know who that convert is going to be. That convert could be the next Billy Graham. And some of you have, may have heard of Daniel Kalenda. He's, he's now preaching to the most people that anyone has ever preached to in history. He has inherited Reinhard Bunke's ministry. But where did he come from? He got, sa- he got saved or brought back to the Lord on the streets of Pensacola. Our team would go out every week sharing the gospel. And he was one of the, the guys that they had met and they prayed for. And he was far from the Lord back then. It was just some young guy zealous for the Lord going on the streets of Pensacola, especially Pensacola Beach, and we would go out there and we'd share the gospel. But most of all, when people were arguing with us, we'd say, well, you may not understand, but let's pray for you. And we would pray for them, and often they would experience the power and the touch of God, and then they say, oh, I'm I'm experiencing God's love. Uh, Tell me more about what you want to share. So they had to first taste it and experience it. And the Lord would touch the people out there on Pensacola Beach. But when we would go out there, sometimes we'd go out there quite early in the morning and we were tired, you know, tired in the morning. You don't really feel like doing it, but you go out there and you never know what God is going to do. And so amazing, you never know who you're going to lead to the Lord and what they are going to do. So you trust those things to God. Again, we fall into this mindset of why aren't people showing me love? Why aren't they helping me? And so then we're starting to get off center. And the, stop, the 
the spinning top starts to wobble. Once we start thinking this way, the me-centered approach, once we start thinking this way, the spinning top of our lives begins to wobble. It totters because it loses its center love. Are you with me here? I'll say that again. Again, once we start thinking this way, the spinning top of our lives begins to wobble. It totters because it loses its center love. Our center must be love, God's love, his love. That's our motivation. That's why we're doing what we're doing. It's not easy all the time, and many times we feel weary, but we're not going to lose heart because the Father gave himself. He gave everything for us, and if he freely gave himself to us, he has called us to do the same thing. That's what love is. It's about giving. So my advice here is don't look to others. Just do what you know is right. In, in, other, in other words, don't look to others for, for love, for value, for, for help. If you get it, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And we should be loving one another. But it's not always going to happen in ways that we expect. So don't look to others. Look to the Lord for your love. Look to him as your source of love. Don't look at others. Just do what you know is right. Did you get that? Just do what you know is right. Carrying your cross is doing good to others even though they mistreat, mistreat you. So here, Jesus is carrying the cross. We learn from him what it means when he has called us to carry, his cro carry our cross. And when Jesus was carrying his cross, he was sacrificing his life for the very people that were mistreating him. And in other words, what he was doing when he was carrying the cross is he was doing good to others even though they weren't doing good to him. Are you with me here? Now, this is an extreme example. In a, in a fellowship or church, people aren't often trying to hurt one another, but we get annoyed about little things. And so we need to remember that we need to do good to others even if they may not meet our expectations. The extreme example is mistreating you, but sometimes people do not meet our expectations or what we want and that's why we need to go back to, back to Jesus. Matthew 5, 43 through 48, listen to this. And this is the Sermon on the Mount, and we've been grazing in the Sermon on the Mount. And I think before the end of the year, I'll kind of sum it up, because we've been taking little pieces of the Sermon on the Mount and, and focusing on this and focusing on that and, and this portion here, that portion. But I want to kind of tie it all up by the end of the year. So we've been in all different places, but we haven't been sequentially, sequentially going through it. But how I see it here is Jesus, and he's in this area, and there's a field, and he's talking about the flowers of the field and the lilies. And in the midst of that, he says this. You have heard what it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
that you may be children of your Father in heaven. So who is our example? Our example is not one another. Our example is our Father in heaven. And it says here, He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good, and He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, I'll just stop there. I've mentioned this before, but sending rain in the city, we think, oh, sending rain, that's the bad thing. No, no, sending rain, that's the good thing, <laughs> right? Especially if you're on a, a farm, a property, you need the rain for everything to grow. So what, what he's saying is the Father gives good things even to people that are not good. And he sends rain to both the righteous and the unrighteous. So he's caring for everybody. He's caring for everybody and everything. He's caring for the whole world. And we're meant to be children of our Father. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? So this is normally how we are in our own selves. I'll love you if you love me. I'll be good to you if you're good to me. That's just the normal human nature. But Jesus is saying, you need to transcend this. This is not like the Father, and this is not like me. Jesus is saying, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? So if somebody is our kind, our age group, our nationality, okay, we may greet them. But he's saying we've got to go beyond that. What he's saying here, we've got to go beyond that. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do, even, do not even the pagans do that or those who do not believe? Be perfect, or here the word is mature, complete. I like that kind of be mature, complete. I, I like that translation, but I'm reading here from the NIV. But I'll read it from the NIV here. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The whole thing is summed up with, it's, it's about us reflecting the Father's heart. And in every situation where we are tempted to react in a bad way, not to love, we need to remember uh, the Father's heart. How would the Father respond in this situation? What would the Father do? In my, in my own family, what would the Father do? The Heavenly Father. In our own church, what would the Father do? In our interactions in the world, what would the, how would the Father be? And he's... Yeah, and then ask for the grace. Ask for the grace to do it. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Here is the thing. When someone hurts you or someone persecutes you or someone does wrong to you, it should be a trigger for you to pray for them. For those who are mature in Christ, what it does is it, it signals to you, this person is not complete. There's something going on that's wrong inside. I need to pray for them so that God works in their life. So it's a, it's a call to prayer rather than a call to say, hey, you know, you call up your friend on, your phone, on the phone and you say, I can't believe what so-and-so did. And, uh, and then you get focused on that. Now, sometimes we, we talk to one another and we say something has happened, but we should always go back to let's pray for them. 
because when we pray for them, it causes God to move and work in their life. Amen? So it's all a, it's a trigger, but not a trigger to get angry, but a trigger to pray. <laughs> and so God's, God's people are definitely different than the people of the world. We are different than the people of the world, and we're different in how we respond and go about things. So we've been talking about giving, and we're almost near the end here. The question is, why give? Love is shown in giving. The very heart of love is to give. Why give? Why give? Giving is love in action. So when you're praying, you're giving. When you're giving financially, you're giving. When you're coming to church, you're giving your presence and your time. When you bring your gifts, of the gifts of the Spirit, you are giving. And giving is essential for any church or family or ministry to grow because giving is love in action. When we don't love, we withdraw. We, and there's times to withdraw in God's presence to get strength in order for the purpose of giving. So it's receiving for the purpose of giving. But we can't just stop at receiving. We need to be givers. Givers. Giving is love in action. Giving is love in action. This is Paul speaking, and he's quoting Jesus, something that Jesus said. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord. Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen? Amen. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I'll say that again. Maybe we should repeat it. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So receiving is important, right? Receiving is important, but we can't get stuck on receiving. Jesus said, freely you receive, freely give. So the end part is the giving. That's the purpose of receiving. And it's more blessed to give than to receive. But when we're hurt, when we're offended, when we get off center, what happens is we, start to, we stop giving. We, we withdraw. We isolate ourselves. And then love is not operating through our lives. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Last year I made, I upgraded uh, this infographic, and I'm not going through this whole thing. But last year it was, uh, this is new and updated. Last year it was Why Tithe? But when I put it on the internet, there was so much controversy about the word tithe. There's always been a controversy. Now, I'm not here to teach on tithing. I believe in tithing, but I'm not here to teach on it. But I wanted to make sure that people don't stumble over the word. So I upgraded this, or updated, upgraded, updated this infographic. And it says, why give? Why give? Because I, I would say every Christian would be universal in saying, yes, giving, giving is important. Why give? And it starts off like this. 
since the beginning, giving has been the fruit of authentic faith. So when you're giving, specifically here, finances, and we can become weary of giving, uh, whether it be gifts or finances or time, uh, moving in the spirit. But this giving is the fruit of authentic faith. When we give, we're giving our fruit to the Lord. So here are some biblical reasons you should give to the Lord. And this is just a little bit of a summary. I'm not going into this fully today, but just reflecting on giving. Giving honors God. And when you honor God, God honors you. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first and best part of your income. Then your barns will be full and your vats will overflow with fresh wine. That's Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. So giving honors God. And then giving values God's house, people, and ministers. Giving to God shows that you appreciate and care for your church and its leaders. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. That's Malachi 3.10. And what I want to get to is this middle part here. And this is where we're going to end soon. What you sow is what you reap. What you sow is what you reap. And so love sows. I keep, I'm, I've been praying for the church and the Lord, the Holy Spirit keeps on reminding me. He said, keep on teaching them to sow, to be givers. And I preached a message about sowing back at the uh, church in the city and the importance of sowing and how we're to live a life of sowing, 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 sowing. What you sow is what you reap. And to, I want to encourage you. I would say everybody here are, you're great sowers. So this is not to say that you're not sowing. I'm, what I'm saying is you are great sowers, so continue to sow. Don't become weary in well-doing. I want to encourage you to continually sow what God has given you because you will reap what you sow. And you can stand in prayer and say, Lord, I have, I have sown, but don't look to people to reap the reward. Look to God. I have sown. I have given. I look to you to reap the reward that you would have me give. And this point has been brought to you by the ambulance. No. <laughs> Just reminding you, this is really important. <laughs> what you sow is what you reap. Sow generously and you will reap abundantly. But the opposite is also true. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Now look at the scripture reference there. That's Galatians 6, 7. What we started out with is Galatians 6, 9. So Paul is saying this, do not lose heart. He, he, the context of sowing is do not lose heart. Uh, do not get weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap a harvest if you faint not. And so before that verse in Galatians 6, 9, we have this Galatians 6, 7, 1. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For, for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. So why give? Giving honors God. 
giving values, God's house, people and ministers. And what you sow is what you reap. So these are a few of the reasons. So we come back to the beginning and back to the end. The right way to plant and grow a healthy church. And that is three uh, point three here, keep centered on Jesus and his love. Can I hear an amen? amen. Keep centered on Jesus and his love. When we, be, when we become weary of doing good, let's remember it's all about Jesus and his love. Amen. Our purpose does not revolve around us, but around him. And I'm saying all these things, and you may think, well, it doesn't really apply to me today, but it's going to apply to you sometime, Right? It does apply. It really does apply to every one of us today, but it is going to uh, affect us all. And as a community, we need to keep each other in check, keep each other accountable. We see somebody wobbling. We say, let me help you. <laughs> we pray for them. We remind them it's about Jesus. It's about his love. It's about his good news. It's more blessed to give than receive. And so in that way, we are cultivating a healthy church and a healthy spiritual family. Amen? Well, I'm going to pray. And these talks are not long. I'm trying not to preach so long. <laughs> but I'm putting some work into it, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Bible college, I'm going to go long, right? <laughs> four hours later <laughs> but here not so not so long so that's that's the end there let me let me pray as we uh, come to a conclusion here father I want to thank you that you have called us to this great ministry the word ministry means to serve. It means to give. But Lord, we remember as we've been talking about that intimacy with you comes before ministry. And it's that love relationship with you. Father, at times we do get weary, worn, exhausted, wondering why are we doing all this? We get discouraged. We want to see more fruit. We want to see more, something more. But Lord, we think about the cross when you carry the cross. You had ministered for three years the greatest miracle, signs and wonders ever in history with people being raised from the dead, demons being cast out, lepers healed, people restored. The greatest miracles anybody has ever seen in all of history was happening for three years, and they still sent you to the cross. And we know through the prophet Isaiah, you were thinking, I've labored in vain. But you also said, my reward is with God. We remember the cross. We remember how you carried it. You've remember, we remember that you've called us to also carry our crosses. Lord, we look not to one another for our strength. We look to you. We don't look to one another for help, but we look to you for help. Of course, we want to be helpful to one another, but we realize that each one is limited, sinful. They can never really fulfill our deepest needs. So, Lord, we're looking to you. And we want to be centered on you, Jesus, and centered on your love. 
And we thank you, Lord, that we will reap what we have sown. We will see a harvest. We will see fruitfulness in this age and also in the age to come. So I'm asking for everyone that's hearing this that your love would pour in their hearts. Your love would pour in their minds. We would just leap for joy at who you are. And out of that love, Lord, we would love one another. We, we just put this whole church in your hands that you would keep us. And all the churches and pastors that are struggling, I'm praying for a strengthening of their hearts, a renewing of your vision, and an understanding in the church body that as uh, the church worldwide, we would be able to move forward with you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen, guys. Amen. Can I hear a hallelujah? Can I hear a praise the Lord? So I hope you're blessed. We're going to come to an end now. Um, oh, I need to mention, because I keep on forgetting, the tithes and offerings, Brisbane Fire. If you want to give online, you can give. If you're online, you can give through BrisbaneFire.com. There's a give page. BrisbaneFire.com. There's a give page there. You